I hope you guys had a great Christmas and that you are prepared for 2023 because I know that mentally I am not. I'm still stuck in 2022. It's crazy that the year is almost over, but we're not done yet. We have a few more podcasts to get out, case in point being this one, and our guest was awesome. She's super nice. I think you guys will enjoy it. Please give it up for Clarice Mayo. in a lot of different areas but yes there's a yoga collective called the crystalline collective in mckinleyville yeah you like doing that i love it yeah currently my only offering there is teaching children's ballet class and it's an intuitive ballet class so it's about children getting into their bodies and listening to their own awareness what i've noticed about working with kids well like the whole general like passion about working with kids has a lot to do with authoritarian figures And then just being a good friend and a safe environment facilitator for children. Authoritarian figures in that that's what they're dealing with usually? Yeah, usually. I think a lot of us have dealt with parental figures. I mean, we have society, people telling us what to do, how to do it, who to be, questions like that. Or self-imposed ideals. The self-imposed one is huge, right? Huge. Especially as you're a kid and you're growing up and you're trying to figure out, what do I actually think about this? Where do I stand? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So kids ballet classes, uh, yoga. I teach yoga. I used to. I've actually taken a good break from that. I got certified in probably the year after we graduated. That was transformational. To be certified in yoga. Yeah. Yeah. What does that entail? For me, oh my God, it was a huge, it was a purgative experience. Like literally other people around me were like throwing up on their mats and like (laughs) crying and screaming over there from one corner. And then over here, we've got this scenario going on. But you know, I mean, that was my experience. It was really beautiful. I myself also was in that state of like, Um, really, it was movement of the body the body will hold memory and the memory of this lifetime and also like hereditary lives before us which is in in yoga it's called the runa bandha or in sanskrit which is the memory of the body so you may think about like muscle memory or like working out you're you'll get used to it well it's also like that in terms of longer sustaining um habits and so when we look into that, and during this yoga teacher training, <clears throat> it was like fully like diving in and cleaning and purging everything that was like old to bring in new habits and parts that actually serve the body and the spirit. And so people are actively throwing up while going through that. Oh, Is that yeah. just because of the movements? Is that because of the stress of what they're trying to do? Walk me, walk me through that. Oh my gosh, both. Of, yes, both. I mean. Probably everything, everything you can probably imagine. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, what do you have to do to be certified in yoga? Is it just hit a couple, hit certain poses? It's really like, for me, I was trained in swastha yoga, which is like yoga on the mat and also as a lifestyle off the mat. Um, Yoga definitely helped refine um, my being in a way where I was like really finding out like the true essence of what it is to be human 
and to witness others being utterly vulnerable and human. Um, yeah, so getting the yoga certification was like just a single aspect that was like definitely a whole world of its own. And uh, but yeah, learning poses, learning sequences. Um, I was try uh, trained partially in Ayurveda during that time, which is an ancient healthcare in India. And it's still practiced to this day widely in the in the West also. So it's really um, applicable to everybody. Um, so, yeah, a little bit of everything in this yoga teacher training. And it was a 200-hour yoga teacher training that was um, all condensed within, I believe, a week. Wow, that's pretty significant to go from 200 hours. Yes. Yeah. That's intense. Pretty beautiful. Mm -hmm. So you... You said this idea of becoming human, which I, I follow you on Facebook. And that's actually kind of how I had the idea of, oh, I want to bring you on, is I see you post a lot about that, about trying to become human or being more in touch with humanity. What does that mean for you? For me, it's not becoming anything but undoing the conditions and coming back to source of who we really are. So this conditioning looks like I mean, literally in our language, too, the way in which we use language, like I am hungry, for example, and other languages don't have this, um, which I would love to learn a new language one day soon. I mean, I'm in practice, but transform that to I am feeling hunger, for example. But the identity involved in that is structured daily. And then if we look at that as kind of a reflection to our own interpersonal relationship to self, are we identifying, we're identifying with so much and it's not really becoming anything. It's just utterly like remembering the essence that we already are without distraction. Almost like you're stripping away yeah. those outer barriers. Okay. What was yoga kind of the start of that for you? Is that what made you realize you wanted to start doing that? Or was it just a gradual slip into that mindset? Mm, it's been a gradual path of awakening throughout my entire life. And I would definitely credit that to trauma, like intense trauma and like initiation, I'd say, um, which we don't have a lot of in this like Western culture, in this society. Of trauma? Acts of, let's say, mm, more of like a rites of passage, I mean. We don't really have that in this society. I mean, we have graduation, we have birthday celebrations and things of that sort but we don't really have that rite of passage for for many of us to initiate into but I feel like I've gotten in touch with that through many traumatic experiences let's say that brought on an early maturity that people bring out and say like Claire you're only 24 years old what the fuck? <laughs> what and um it it really I just credit to a lot of interpersonal work and like, yeah, so starting at a really young age, I had, like, a really traumatic childhood or was really impoverished and um, bringing into question, like, man, what really matters in this world? And a lot of people, like, come to the source of, like, man, what's my purpose in this world or what am I supposed to do? What should I do? And all those questions kind of cover up, like, what it is to actually be and the deep presence or what we hear as, like, presence is really the gift of the now well it's easy when you go through something traumatic to kind of shut the world out 
or even more so get angry with the world and then you start lashing out and you attack people and then you're just this this hurt person hurting other people that seems to be the the situation that carries down yeah hurt people hurting other people like we see that in our youth uh bullies you know if people are treating that child in that way they will maybe can't continue carrying that out let's say it's a parent or a guardian and we can look at that as like hereditary trauma and think about how those parents were treated to then enforce that upon their children it's um very common <laughs> too common yeah too common it becomes normalized <laughs> so you feel like that trauma kind of reinforced something in you to to kind of pave this way to where you are now yeah, it's purely self-inquiry, questioning into what's actually normal around me and seeing that it doesn't have to be or should be any other, like it it can just be questioned, can be brought into self-inquiry before it's adapted into. And that's how I learned, like questioning into that. The idea of the ceremony is, it, I don't know if it's pretty popular now or it's always been popular, yeah. but that idea, especially, you know, boys becoming men or women becoming women. Or girls becoming women, you go through that that transformational change, and we don't really have that in Western culture. You just kind of transition, like you said. You have high school, you graduate, and then you're just this adult. But there's no ritual that you go through to become that. I guess in in Latin culture, you have like a quinceanera for a girl, right. but that's really what else is there? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I believe. Shamans, for example, go through a period of psychedelic experiences with medicine, for example, but they're held in tribe with blessings and facilitators that have been initiated upon initiation, for example. And I think that's really extreme. Oh, my gosh, because I think I mean, I mean, I've had my share, fair share of psychedelic experiences that were beyond intense and coming out of it alive. I was like, holy shit, I'm still here. That was initiation of itself. But I, especially for women on a more gentler level is uh, like our moon receiving our, our bodies changing and usually the hormone balance around 100 pounds for a child or a girl initiates them into a woman. Typically in older traditions, there you go. There you're you're a woman. But I I found that for men, it's definitely kind of a more challenging thing I kind of have this grief for the masculine in this society that we have because there's a lot lacking in support of our masculine and our men are like ugh, it's so important and I feel like also father figures can set that up really well for us and you know we need maybe a couple generations of that because there's this ger generational neurosis happening that's affecting um us in an unsustainable way that can lead to our um, like our deprivation of like being human and coming together it further bringing this belief of um separation dualism it's weird hearing you say that not a lot of people talk about men in that way that they need that <laughs> that figure that you hear that in terms of women like women need this guiding figure but men they're just kind of you're left to the wind mm -hmm. Yeah, and I feel like there's so much grief. Um, there's so much grief around that for me because I, I facilitate women's circles and hold ceremony and just get together and have cacao, which is a, um, a like, blessed um, version of, like, hot chocolate, only it's very intentionally set, and there's a specific ingredient to 
making it and there's a blessing that's involved and the which and where I, I source it is really important too. Um, so anyways, cacao ceremonies, women's circles, but like as women rise, it's important to, to encourage the masculine to rise as well. And uh, yeah, it's, it's well You feel seen. like that's not being done in society now? Mm-mm. I mean, for women, yes. There's a lot of suppression on both sides, but in the field, as a student learning all of this and seeing what's happening, yeah, everybody needs to be supported this way, regardless of identity as well or gender. Yeah. Why do you feel like that suppression is in place? Do you think that's just yeah. cultural? Do you think that's just what we've built up in society? Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of, um, man, I mean, who fucking knows? I know that's a loaded question, right? It's like so infinite. (laughs) Yeah, it's happening. That's what matters. It's happening now, or at least I see that that's happening, or I feel that that's happening in my experience. And to me, that's what matters. Um, And what's really important is in which we respond from either reenactment of the past or reactivity or response responsibility. And so there's always a choice and either we can react from the past and continue this pattern or, you know, be integral with our being and question and inquire and be curious about it. That involves change. Did psychedelics help at all with that? Oh, probably. (laughs) I mean, right? Those two seem to go hand in hand. Yeah. I feel like all of this sounds psychedelic. I'm just like, wow, it's very energizing to speak on because, yeah, yeah. in terms of like my path, I feel my dharma has a lot to do with helping people and service people in a way where they can inquire. And that's interpersonal healing. Your dharma? Yeah. I don't know like, what that is. Um, dharma is like your path. It's your your like meaningful like Like purpose. your calling in life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, your service to the world or yourself. And you feel like your service is kind of tied to psychedelics? <laughs> um. I mean, life psychedelic, man. I've never been more high rather than like being sober completely. I've never been more high than when I'm sober. So life we psychedelic. We're gonna some different drugs. I mean, <laughs> I mean, no, I, but I get what you're saying. That uh-huh. high on life sentiment. Yeah, I mean, it's all here in the present moment. Like, dude, I've been crippled by breathwork ceremonies and situations where it's just breathing. You get this thing called tetany. And I've been training in these things called rebirthing sessions, and they're incredible. Um, I don't know what that is. A rebirthing session? Yeah. So it's a breathwork technique that's of cyclical breathing. And you just kind of lay down with your knees slightly elevated and a pillow under your head, and you're brought on with, like, many blankets, and you're really cozy. And this is just to begin. Like, other people do this stuff in ice baths or in extreme heat temperatures and things like that. So I'm just a beginner. And like, there's this thing called tetany, which is slight paralysis of your body, simply by breathing. I've been told that this alkalizes your blood to be breathing in a way that oxygenates your body so much with just breathing. And crazy, like you just receive crazy visuals and like your body will act in certain ways that it's involuntary. Um, It's really incredible. I recommend it to everybody. Have you, I've heard about that, that, breath work you can reach this almost psychedelic state yeah do you know who wim hof is of course the breathwork yes. guy yeah, yeah i gotta dig into him because he seems fascinating but have you reached that state doing the breath work oh yeah you have is it yeah. i've heard it's hard is it you have to dedicate time to trying to get there mm. 
trying to get anywhere is questionable. As long as there's like devotion to just giving it a shot, like see what happens. Be curious. Like there's no guarantees. But yeah, for sure. I have experienced some incredible psychedelic experiences just by breathing, just by being alive. And yes, many other psychedelic experiences with substances or medicines that are like ancient and used in tribes. Like it's a blessing that we have access to those kind of things here. But um, yeah. I mean, it's crazy that they're not legal. I think shrooms, the big push is shrooms right now. I know they decriminalized them in Arcata. There's a push to do it in Eureka. Mm-hmm. I think Colorado as a whole just decriminalized them. Colorado, Oregon, Washington. You're not on the mic, Andy. Colorado, Oregon, Washington. I, I, that That's what should happen. I mean, the idea that these plants are criminalized and yet they've been used, I mean, just in conjunction with our rise in humanity is is kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. Using, you know, like pretty much one good trip is good enough for a lifetime. And at least that was my experience, even though I've continued to dabble with it when I had some new things arise into my life. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to purge now or accidental dosages and things like that that were completely safe, completely safe. Um, But questionable if I'll ever do that again. I don't think so. (laughs) Accidental dosage, meaning somebody kind of helped you get into that state or um so because that's pretty ambiguous accidental dosages well it's hard dosing medicine for oh yourself, so you just say. accidentally um, dosed it yeah okay i yeah. heard that and went oh did somebody spike your food or something okay no, thank goodness no <laughs> safely at home you know uh reliable sources safe beautiful authentic sources trustworthy sources yeah but liquid doses can be pretty intense when it comes to acid. <laughs> it's really is hard that, to dose. Is that your go-to is acid? It's def- I don't have a go-to, but let's just say like my most recent my my like my most recent experiences with psychedelics was liquid acid and used in water was what I was told. And it was just supposed to be a microdose, man, but it was not. That thing blast blasted. It was blasted. Just yeah. Yeah. That reminds me of the dosing with edibles, right? You yeah. might eat a brownie and it's fine, and then you eat a cookie and then you're gone. Yeah. And that's I, the shit I learned in high school. Like, yeah, right? Quickly yeah. here in Humboldt, you know? Yeah, that's that's almost a staple in Humboldt as you go through that that crucible of, oh, this was this was too much. I should not have <laughs> I should not have gone down this road. <laughs> yeah. I think that's important in that you can go through that and then you come out and realize, okay, I'm still okay. Like yeah. I made it through, I'm on the other side. It's the people that don't make it through that you get a little worried for. You're like, oh, shit. Because it happens. Have you ever done ketamine? Not yet. No. I had Carrie Griffin on uh, a couple days ago, and she runs that Center for New Growth. She's doing those ketamine treatments for people. And she said they found incredible results with that of treating people with depression. I think she said alcoholics, too. Mm -hmm. Um, And they go there, they take the treatment, and it's like... Their life changes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the power of psychedelics. Yeah. I mean, I would even add that it's not even the power of psychedelics. They're just there to remind us. They're just a part of something that activates already what's inherently here. Um, Just to bring it back, like, we don't need anything. Just, like, to self-inquire. This, um, the power of psychedelics can help remind us when we're really deep in, in a pattern and Terrence McKenna talks about this with mushrooms, even like microdosing. It really helps us bring fresh 
powdered snow onto a well uh, groove of a mountain when you're skiing, pretty much. It brings on these new ne neural networks to help us repattern our behavior and the relationship to ourself and our and or our perception of reality. Terrence yeah. McKenna, mm -hmm. have you read a lot of him? Um, not a lot of him, but I mean, I know of him. He's like OG, yeah. you know, spiritualist and psychedelic mentor. So you are, I would say, well versed, or you're trying to be well versed in that that realm. Oh gosh, no, I'm no. not trying any. But you're no, just <laughs> I have dappled, is my point. Yes. And I've learned a lot from dabbling, <laughs> you know, fucking around and finding out. Yeah. That can go either way, right? <laughs> sometimes that's a good thing, and sometimes you don't want to find out, and then you do, and it's it's a painful lesson. Yeah. I've had a few of those. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you just, especially when you're younger and you're more willing to fuck around and find out, you find out yeah. sometimes that that's not the best. Would you uh, call that a growing pain? I would call that a growing pain. Oh yeah. Subtle plug from Andy, but. And that can be initiatory on its own. Coming out and you find out, wow, I'm okay. I'm still here. I'm alive. Depending on how like intense this was for you. But have you you said that you had a traumatic childhood? Did yeah. you have any adverse side effects going through psychedelics with that? Or oh, did yeah. you feel like that opened you up a little more? My first psychedelic experience felt as though all of my <sighs> like being was exploited and I had no control over anything. And it really taught me the art of surrendering and riding the wave and being okay with death, which I ultimately died. <laughs> um, I believe that I was like utterly reborn from this purgatory and I was so grateful to like be breathing, but also my entire reality shifted after that. I, I believe I was only 19. Yeah, I was 19 or so. 17 years old when I first had that. That's a big change for a 17-year-old. I think so. And I, that reality shift. Yeah. Yeah, it was a big shift. And trauma, like, can do that. It can either, it can, it's actually something a lot of people talk about as though it's done to us, which for, like, it makes sense. But as someone who's done a lot of this work, it's something that is medicine. It's for us. Psychedelics can sometimes bring that in in a way where it's like, this is, this is what you've been holding this whole time. Do you see this? And like now it's time to like let that go or bring gratitude and, and like integrate this. Let's integrate this. And the medicine is, can be like, in many tribal settings, they view medicine as an entity or ayahuasca as a mother, like spirit. And it's really beautiful the way that those encounters can be brought on in a tea ceremony. Oh, I'm not ready for that kind of thing. That's for sure. The ayahuasca. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that one sounds intense. It's really intense. I've heard, and in it, it kind of brings up this impact of fear. That's like, like any way that there's fear or aversion or like an attachment to ego, that will be tested. And like, who's one of like? I need to be completely ready to let that go to dive into something like that. The ego death is the part that I find most fascinating. Yeah. That stripping away of oneself in place of something better. Like you're taking away all this bravado that you have, all this this self-perception, and you're just throwing that away. I like that you said something better. What do you mean by that? What do you, what do you mean by What do I mean? So like the term better is kind of imposing that we're not enough unless this experience or like birthing experience happens or this initiation. So then... I hear 
the term better being used because what's the opposite of that? To say that there's something better is to impose that something's lacking. And yeah. You don't see that. You think that it's just you and you're not you're not creating something better or worse. You're just You just are. You just are. Yeah. Um, which then I because like, man, there's a whole spiral that can go on from situations like that. Like that self-limiting belief that you need to do something to become other, better, um, whatever. <laughs> and that can simply draw us further away from the truth. It, at least in my experience. Well, a lot of people chase drugs that way, right? Oh, yeah. Because they're trying to, they think they're better on them or they like themselves when they're high. And so they're, they're, you're chasing the dragon. Yeah. Exactly. And you think, what is that? You keep coming back to this truth. What is that truth for you? Oh, wow. Truth for me is like, what's everything that we think we are, everything we think we know, when that's stripped away, what's left? The biggest question for me is just what, what is this innate isness of the now? And a lot of ascended masters just like find themselves in like the ones that I've studied to Tibetan Buddhist monks, for example. It's like going all these places and doing these studies for like they've been doing these studies for hundreds of years, hundreds of thousands of years just to just to come back to like you didn't need to do anything at all just to come home to yourself. And that tends to be what truth means to me, coming home to oneself before anything do you think that so what okay i'm trying to unpack i'm trying <laughs> totally. to unpack that yeah this right stuff gets really es- esoteric ascension to, thoughts. Like, okay let me wrap my brain around how that works out <laughs> so what about the argument that people that you should always be trying to improve that you should be working on yourself trying to become better do you think that is inherently in you and you're almost just like chipping away at the marble to try to get to that or is that something you have to work towards yeah i mean you Easefulness can be more impactful than work or like trying to get somewhere or let's see, like get approval for anything. And sometimes like the most influential people never ask for anyone's permission. They just deeply listen to themselves and they didn't give up. And that's really potent for me because that's the most authentic self. Like, those are one-of-a-kind people. And that's after the conditioning of, like, none of this shit's true. I really liked what my friend had mentioned. His name is Yeshe. And he had mentioned, um, we're all in a dream using the dream to awaken. Almost as though it's, I mean, that in itself was really powerful for me. <sighs> Seeing that this reality isn't actually real. And we're just living in a dream. But we can use this dream as a tool for our awakening. Um, Yeah. Use this as a tool for our awakening. Yeah. Using the dream we're in as our awakening. Yeah. And And so then, therefore, nobody else is like, all of us are just reflections for each other. There's no one to approve. There's no hierarchy or authority. We're all just one. And then the dualism and separations dissolve. And we're all just there for each other. Do you think that's the only way we can get there is to z- dissolve that aspect of searching for approval? To get where is to the get, question. Oh, that's a good point. 
approval is an important thing for a lot of people. A lot of people live their life for somebody's approval. The craziest thing is living your life for somebody's approval that you don't even know. You're just, you have this built up perception in your head of, oh, I need to look like this. I need to do this thing because society as a whole will judge me if I'm not. Do you feel like you succeeded at stripping that away? Do you still challenge that? Oh, I still challenge that to this day. It's not going to go away. Those sensations of innate, like human experiences to like be accepted. We're a social species. We're not meant to like be on our own or all these beliefs. And like, yeah, I, I challenge that. Like, it's probably a challenge on the daily. It's a subconscious patterning that runs really deep in us all. But it all connects to one source, is what I'm saying. And it's this belief of separateness, really. To have the exception of others. Like, why? When you already have everything you need already, and you're perfect as you are, right? Or whole as we are. Um, That tends to be a huge misconception in all of us. And I feel like those kind of questions can bring it back to what do I need from others really? Or what it is, what do I have to give and how am I cutting myself short of that? And that tends to really come down to like, man, there's infinite different layers of this. It runs so deep and it's really dire that we do this because we're (sighs) we're killing our species. There are a lot of deep signs coming from you tonight. Oh, yeah. And also listening to the planet because we need the planet to thrive. To live. To live. Just live. Yeah. But what about thriving, not just surviving? A lot of us feel like that. I mean, growing up really impoverished, I didn't have Wi-Fi throughout high school. And that really set me back. And it was so hard to, like, see children around me with cell phones being able to take photos of their homework that were on, like, these screens. And I'm, like, handwriting everything. And I felt really, like, set back in so many ways. And, like, yeah, talk about depth, man. Like, there's no other way for me. There really isn't. And also, only some people are really ready for that. And that really inspires me to like come on and talk on a podcast because one day I'd love to do this. You should do it. Oh, my gosh. You yes. should do it. Yeah. So this is a really beautiful experience that you're hosting and facilitating such an awesome space. Well, let's or, not get too crazy. I mean, we're, yeah. Yeah, we're in a garage. So, I mean, perspective, <laughs> no. right? I mean, I'm like all for it. But that's more I, of this, please. That's crazy. <laughs> I, I never really knew. I mean, we didn't really know each other super well in high school but i always knew of you like i always knew who clarice was yeah i was i think we had a couple classes together yeah i always knew like you're one of those people i always knew of in the yearbook for high school you got best of eyebrows did i i did yes i did i was very that's, proud that's of you my, for that that's my one achievement <laughs> i could die tomorrow and i'd be it'd be fine that is my one my greatest achievement that's what i'll be remembered for yeah the eyebrows the eyebrows yeah i got best artist I got the best artist. I would believe that. You were always and drawing. And Aaron was doing that. I think so. Yeah. Rather than doing like, yeah, I was pretty distracted with my homework when it came to a lot of presentations. I was drawing instead. Well, that's crazy. I didn't know that you didn't have Wi-Fi in high school. That's. Yeah. Would be challenging. Yeah, it was really challenging. And for graduating in 2016, that was when a lot of like those standards were coming into play. Like, I I won't unveil teachers' names here, but. Oh, the requirement, I, I remember, like, sending in papers by, like, tw- 12.59, eight, you know, before 1, a- 1 a.m. or 12 a.m. or something like that, um, virtually. 
to like send in these papers so that you could like make the deadlines and I'd like have to come in the day after. So it's already considered late with like a handwritten paper um, just to like complete that. And it just was so challenging. Yeah, no Wi-Fi, like really impoverished. And we mentioned uh, substance abuse earlier. There's a huge amount of that. There's a lot of like, I grew up here. I'm fourth, third or fourth generation from Humboldt. I've got a lot of firsthand experiences witnessing overdose and drug abuse, hard drug abuse, nothing even like psychedelics that could have led me down a really different path. But also a lot of those crazy like people out there that have that drug abuse addiction still have a lot of wisdom to share. Um, yeah, it's really sensitive and like important to acknowledge those who are strongly addicted. Yeah. Well, I'm a believer that advice can come from anywhere. You should always check it with a grain of salt just to make sure that it stands up totally. enough, you know? But, yeah, I mean, great advice can come from anywhere. It doesn't matter who, what background the person has or where they are in life. But that's crazy. It's weird that, like, you can know somebody abstractly and not know what they're going through because you go to high school with these kids and you see each other every day maybe it's just in passing but you see them and then you think that's the world is just what happens in between those bells and there's so much other life going on outside of that yeah uh that brings in a deep sense of compassion too because yeah regardless of what anyone's going through we don't know and to pretend like we do is absurd. It's absurd. Because um, a lot of us don't even know ourselves. And so if that's ever threatened, then that brings a sense of judgment or, again, separation, too. Um, yeah. And, dude, high school's such a weird playing field. Again, <laughs> partially partially traumatic for me. I didn't. I ended up, like, testing out college after that. And I felt like this is just really it's just not for me right now and like a lot of it had to do with what I experienced in high school but it wasn't even about the school it was a lot of like my own personal life and then the demands of going to what felt like an institution and then having the authorities demand these like things to be qualified enough to leave pretty much and it's just not even real like it's unreal which is why I work with children and a lot of the conscious families in Humble for this reason. And I got a, um, I got involved taking part in this private school called Nova Terra Alliance, which was a group of three women that I got to know personally before they got together to bring their kids into an environment without vaccines or mask mandates just to simply raise their kids in a loving environment where the children and parents had choice over their own sovereign bodies. I was all for that. Um, more of that, please. Yeah. Without vaccines? Without the COVID vaccine or just vaccines in general? Yeah, no standard of living. Like, no fucking standard. All are accepted here. And that's all about what I like to do. And it was really inspired by how I experienced the public school system here in Humboldt. And then how I was also contributing to making that change. And taking part in that. Did you feel jaded at all by the 
by the public school system growing up because of that? Hated, like having resentment towards it? Yeah. Um, not anymore. I think none of the teachers really knew better. Or maybe they did. I remember one really awesome, awesome, awesome history teacher that I had at Zane. I believe you, did you go to Zane too? Yeah. Yeah. He was so rad. Is it? Uh, What's his name? Do you remember? I don't remember. I want to Can say Paul Bersu, say... but that was high school. I, I know who you, I think I know who you're talking about. He was a character. Super like wiry hair. He kind of looked like Einstein, but really charismatic. You didn't go to Zane, did you? No. I can't think of his name. I don't want to bring out people's names, but credit to him. Do you know his name? I don't remember. I can't. I, but I didn't want to like disclose names or any, anything or like. I can't remember his name. It's on the know. tip of my tongue. Me too. But it wasn't even like the subject. Like I've I've even had art teachers, and that was my favorite subject. Let's say, and I was just like disgusted by class because it was so unenjoyable by the space that the teachers held and their lack of passion towards the subject or like whatever they were having in, in like whatever they were going through in their life was then being implemented onto the children. And yeah, anyways, this history teacher changed the game for me. It was no longer about the subject. I just enjoyed being in that classroom because the quality of the experience that I had there mattered over everything. And then I actually got really good grades in that class and like um, made awesome friends and understood the subject even better simply because of his passion. Yeah. Yeah, teachers can make or break it. If you have bad teachers teaching a subject, even if you love it, it's not going to end well. Yeah. You have to have a teacher that cares is passionate about what they do. And sometimes those can be kind of hard to find. Yeah, it's incredibly rare. It's incredibly rare to, f- to meet those who are sincere. But do you think that's just because most people don't like what they're doing? They just get stuck. <laughs> they get sucked into that way of life of, I've got a mortgage, I've got kids, i got to do something to pay the bills. Yeah, because they're in the state of having to. It's an obligation. It's not an intentional choice anymore maybe it was and now it's this mundane patterning that they've lost the magic or appreciation for um you know and I feel like that has a lot to do with uh, choice like being appreciative of the moment and holding gratitude to be alive and have such influence especially as a teacher um Many, I don't know if many, I don't know if you knew this, but I trained classically in ballet since I was like four. I remember that from high school. I remember you being, you being in ballet or you doing something with ballet. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty intense. So like among family challenges at home and the school, I was training like full time classically with ballet, which is incredibly demanding on the body. I mean, I've never pushed myself more than when it came to dance. And I was really seen for that. I was seen as like this talented student and really appreciated by the studios that like gave me lead roles. And I competed and like caught into a uh, company. I was offered a contract at 17 years old to move out of the state and dance with this place full time. But like, holy crap, Um, there was a lot to question into that for me. And I ended up deciding not to do that. I felt like I would have been like missing out on truly living and it would have just became another institution. There's so much competition around that. And I mean, yeah, I could go on, but that was kind of another like training, training realm for me. Do you regret that decision? No. I mean, no, not at all. Not at all. 
you seem to have this very interesting perspective on life. And <laughs> I trying, think I do. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I think that's a safe assumption. And just trying to, I don't know if you're trying to strip things away or just find the root cause of things, but you have this, it seems like you're, you're one of those people that was searching for something and then decided to stop searching. And so now you're in this state of just existing is the best that I feel like I could put that, if that makes sense. And he's looking at me like that doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> Does that, do you, when you, so back, going back to high school, did you feel like the things that you were now freed from you, that you were searching for, like approval, that authoritarian figure patting you on the back, was that, were those things that you were chasing? Never. No. I, I definitely sense that, um, like, seeking, searching, or trying to achieve anything was what it really comes down to for me. And, like, that can generally look like any expression, dance, school, approval from authorities or teachers or parents even. Um, like, again, we're, like, a social species and... I feel it's really important to be there for each other at like our best self, which is actually always current. Every situation we find ourselves in is really the pivotal moment of what is really needed. And yeah, it, it can really look interesting. But in terms of like searching or the root cause of anything, um, I'm inspired by true clarity, like, and and the outlook on life or like not trying to make anything out of anything other than what it is, what life really is. And that's what we know as it now, or at least what I know of it now is just true presence. You're just trying to exist in the moment and each <laughs> moment as it comes. Again, there's like the word trying. So <clears throat> you just are. We just are. All of us just are. And we're like reflections of Not me. Of I'm trying constantly. <laughs> I'm always trying. <laughs> You're, you just are. Yeah. Um, what have you been trying on lately? I'm trying on this podcast right now. I'm trying. I feel like I, my life is a constant series of you, you pushing against the winds of time. And you're trying to move forward and the winds of time are trying to pull you back. And so you are in this constant struggle of you have to take the next step. And then you will take the next step. There's that Greek mythology. I think it's Atlas of the stone rolling down the hill and then he has to push it back up. And I think in a lot of ways, that's what humanity is, is we are pushing the rock back up. And it's not about getting the rock to the top. It's not about pushing it down to the bottom. It's about what that entails, about you were, you were doing this thing and you were constantly trying to move forward. I don't know if that makes sense. That's the first time I've really thought about that and I'm trying to work through that as I'm saying it. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, but you don't relate to that. You seem like the opposite of Alice. Of course, I. Relate you seem to like that. you would be sitting on the side, like, "What are you doing with the rock? Why are you still? Why are you pushing yeah. that? Why are you working so hard? What are you like? What is there to compensate for when maybe, like, this is like, at most the like this is the most perfect version of you now, and like the belief to well, of course, there's the motivation and passion to continue on forward because yeah. This is an expression of your heart. And I sense that. But like there is also this importance to see like um, living can be easeful. And there's a sense of clarity in that for me, um, which is a lot of what I do talk about when it comes to Facebook or Instagram, because I want to help people remember their inherent self 
I want to help in ways support people to beings who are ready to relate to themselves in a new way or cultivate intimacy into me I see is what intimacy breaks down to and I've had a, a like a very incredibly like painful experience through that initiation of understanding intimacy with thyself and trying to get somewhere really involves this belief of time and yeah this body is aging but also like what are we without the body there's nothing left to identify with or if we remove the name that shit gets scary that shit's scary as fuck <laughs> I've never been more scared in my life as those you know other than stripping those things away the names that are given to us by birth or even like if we legally change them still um there's so much to say around that but like yeah it can be easeful life is easeful how useful is it to just breathe? I've, I had asthma attacks when I was a child. And I remember the sensation of not being able to breathe and feeling like I was going to die. And I was, I've been in the emergency room three different times as a child due to this, having low oxygenation and things like that. And later to find out in, um, in India and with yoga, the, the organ of the lungs results um, and carries the energetic wavelength of grief. So the lungs literally house grief. And there's practices in which you can like move through that and listen to that. And so in my experience, I've completely healed all of my asthma symptoms, for example, just simply by listening and not trying to treat or fix anything either or run away from, which I was doing, taking medications and seeing outside help and feeling like something was wrong with me, for example, which exists in a lot of us believing that something's wrong with us. Do you feel like you are at peace? Peace? Yeah. Ooh. Oh, man, man, that is, like, completely situational. It changes for you. Oh, yeah, I'm still, like, a student in the field. Like, I'm just on the – I'm just still beginning – you're just starting to climb the mountain. Constantly. As my teacher would put it, the first step is the last step. So, like, where, I, yeah, I'm just so grateful to be here. Oh, my God. Like, just now in this moment, like, there's so many times I feel like I've died and been reborn. To just even be here, like, speaking on this is, like, a little, a little like, energizing in itself. Because peace is, like, holy shit, I feel like I came out of a war. But also there is, like, in this chaos there is some organization there is organization in this chaos it's synchronized I feel like we're more powerful than we can imagine and like yeah peace is actually omnipresent it's always here but what gets in the way of that is the gateway or the invitation to remember back to peace I'd say so what is your what like what is your ideal state of life look for you if you could paint a picture of what you would be five years from now, where you would be happiest in that moment, what does that look like for you? I'm still learning to be happy regardless of what's happening. I'm still putting that into practice. And uh, I love permaculture. I'd love to have a garden and a farm one day and just like live off grid with a cob house. Do you guys know what cob houses are? I don't know what a cob house is. They're so freaking cool. Up? They're so cool. It's a cob house? Uh -huh. They're like the most efficient, but also like ancient way of building houses. And they are the most efficient way to build and, and live in a house. 
or a structure. Um, it's typically like a structure using earthen building. So it's completely biodegradable, but yet they live to be like the oldest structures. There's one on the cliffs of... Um, That's what that looks like? Yes. <laughs> so is it just a clay exterior? Yeah. So speaking on art and like sculpture building, this is literally living in a sculpture and you can live uh, in a circular room, which gets us out of this box idea of life and living within literal corners and like sharp edges and things like that. Um, you don't so like the idea of corners? No, there's like not. the Well, there's feng shui. I get that. I, I say, get is that it. A feng shui like, thing? Living in circles is f super feng shui. I recommend this to everybody who feels like they're going crazy in life, like living in a suburban house, like go live in a cob house on the countryside. I'm sure you'll feel better. Um, and it induces the sensation of being in a cave. So it produces negative ions as though you're being next to a salt lamp or like a Himalayan salt lamp. So it's super good for your, your mind, super good for your body. Do you think that's just a, a nature thing where there are no right angles in nature? Does something to your body? Perhaps, yeah. I think. Um, but it's huh. my dream to definitely to build one, one of those. those. To and, build one. Oh yeah, I'm gonna. I want to build one. There's a there's a garden down in Willits. Shout out to Abuela Gardens and Blair. You're super rad. Um, they are currently in the works of building a community, on, I believe, 50 acres of permaculture farm, like land, permaculture land. So it's very pristine. There's water. And they already have one beautiful cob structure up and, and running. It's it's absolutely gorgeous. It'd be interesting. Yeah. It would be interesting. I do like the idea of living off the grid. That's always been my go-to. Or being self-sufficient. Yeah. Having a farm, having animals, growing crops, just being able to self-provide. I do find that angle enticing. And I it's think an a, art. I think a lot of people want that now, especially with COVID and everything that happened. A lot of people just want to get away from society. Dude, the moment COVID hit, okay, like I didn't go out at all. And so I had this like rental with a pretty decent sized backyard and I got chickens and I got ducks, which I still have today. Holy shit. Um, and like just stayed home and I tuckered down and I was experiencing fear. I felt like, God, everyone's being marketed to as, they're, as though they're going to die if they don't wash their hands going to the grocery store or something it was very extreme very extreme um so yeah I started gardening around that time and got even more passionate into researching into permaculture or biodynamic gardening and things like that self-sustainability are you a vegetarian do you mind if I ask I I tried it out for two years and then I quit <laughs> and I've been eating meat in fact one of the birds that I raised was a meat turkey her name was Sundance, and she was beautiful. I believe she was like a, the variety was not a heritage breed, so that within the first year of having her, um, it was more humane to actually put her, to, to kill her, because their bodies get so enlarged that they live, they just don't live in a humane way anymore. Like, they have to sit down and rest. And so I had this turkey, and I raised her since she was a baby. Turkeys are incredibly hard to raise, um, I could go into the art of raising birds, but I butchered her. I, I humanely, like, killed her, cleaned her, butchered, and then served her for a Friendsgiving on Thanksgiving uh, a year ago. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I eat meat. <laughs> it's probably a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you feel better eating meat? Uh, like, physically, I feel the same. You do? Um, But I have noticed like after listening to my body ooh, I I don't really rest the best eating 
gluten, like bowls of pasta and bread and huge sandwiches or something. It just doesn't feel good. I, I noticed some inflammation from that having it regularly in my diet. So I don't really partake in those kind of things anymore, like gluten or obsessive, uh, obsessive amounts of one food or the other, but creating more of a balance in my diet. Is that what pulled you off being a vegetarian? Was noticing that? Well, uh, I guess what pulled me out of vegetarianism is um, there was a study done in a podcast that I listened to that I can't actually credit this to, but infer- uh, fertility rates go down within the next generation of vegetarian or veganism. So this there's a study done where um, the fertility rates go go down drastically with veganism and vegetarianism and things like that. Um, and by, I think, the third generation or fourth of that same diet, there's infertility. And I found that to be incredibly scary because I love children. And I find um, having a family one day was really important to me. And I was raised with, like eating steak and having really heavy, rich meals. And um, as long as I could hold that consciously, I felt really called to having meat again in my life. And it's been great. And I've cultivated a much healthier relationship to that than going to the store separating myself from the relationship of this animal that I'm bringing home and eating and like really seeing it as though like this is a sacred act and this is like literally fueling my body and um yeah super important yeah I mean how many people have a messed up relationship with food where they just it doesn't work they're either too too compulsive with it where they overeat or they go anorexic and they just they can't eat it's that seems pretty prominent and i wonder how much of that is stress related and what we're going to see from covid with that of how many people are just either overeating i mean you hear the covid 15 thrown around that people just gained weight from covid what? have you not heard oh yeah heard i've heard that. you haven't heard that <laughs> oh, I've, had, I've talked to a lot of people that are like yeah i gained weight through covid because you're locked some crazy in shit. yeah I, but like I don't. I haven't met a single person that has had that yet. But oh, you've maybe heard that's this? just maybe that's just the people I'm. <laughs> maybe I should look at who, <laughs> who I'm you hanging out, out with. <laughs> yeah, barely people that love to eat food, which me, I'm um, included in that. I mean, I definitely gained weight. There's no during COVID. Oh yeah. Yeah, but that's because they closed the gyms, and so then I didn't mm. do anything, and I was just eating food, and then I started running, so I lost it. But yeah, steak and strawberries. Yeah, that's Andy makes fun of me. That's what I was doing for a while was steak, <laughs> strawberries. It doesn't sound great, but it tastes pretty good. Steak, strawberries, and olive oil. It was just really, you know, like, okay. <laughs> it's not for everybody. It's an acquired taste. Well, you know, I like steak, but then, like, adding some, like, I don't know. Have you heard of keto? Yeah. Okay. I was trying that for a little bit. I was trying that for a little bit. And what do you think? I mean, I didn't find it that different from my diet already. I mean, I eat really high fat, um, and then I, like, kind of... St- kind of became more conscious about how much fat I was actually eating because I have incredibly high cholesterol when I got my blood work done last. It was really incredible. Uh, <laughs> but my whole family actually has really high cholesterol. It's really weird. So what is your diet now? Yeah. Um, eggs, of course. <laughs> I love butter. Avocado. And there's a beautiful local bakery that makes gluten-free bread called Arise. Shout out to them. Um, fresh vegetables and like, yeah, I mean, really just healthy balance, whatever I feel like eating. I'm just an intuitive eater without like, I was witnessing myself, like giving myself some shame about what I was eating when it came to sweets. 
Okay, sweets though. Those things are yummy. And I encourage everyone to like nourish themselves with sweets or whatever that they want to eat, but just see like how much of this or how much of that or what balance they're bringing in or really questioning into like, I mean, I even caught myself like, wow, this is a lot of um, maple syrup I'm putting in this drink right now, like this cacao drink or, you know, but it's like eating, um, who, who does it? It doesn't, sometimes it doesn't matter exactly what it is we eat. It's how we're eating it or how we're talking to ourselves as we're eating something. And a lot of like um, these patterns or compulsions around food are a deeper expression from like what we're compensating for or like inner self-talk and dialogue or belief or what we're trying to comfort. Um, so I... I have obesity that runs in my family as well, and so I've put to question a lot of things like that and witnessing that as it is without so much judgment, which I used to when I was young. I was, like, disgusted by it. I was judgmental, and, like, I was always told I was so skinny, and so it became this topic of conversation. Like, I'm, like, this stick or whatever, and I was, like, not not having it and I was like well, this is so weird all this separation and dualism being created and like we're my this is my blood family um so usually those things run really deep and it's actually okay like not continuing that shame or that guilt because that will further in, impede the cycle of self-sabotaging behavior <laughs> um, I think it's interesting we have you remind me a lot I had this on shout out to Lisi. You remind Lisey. me a lot of. Do you know her? No. Oh, you remind like me name. a lot of her in that you guys are both very, very chill. Just kind of <laughs> go with the flow, like just existing. I guess you could say just mm -hmm. existing in a good way. And that is like the antithesis of who I am as a person. Like I am so high strung. Um, <sighs> I if I sit still for too long, I start spazzing out. I just can't. I can't do it. And that's why I brought up that idea of pieces because I feel like that is something that will be the next great challenge of my life is trying to find that inner peace and mm. not necessarily even peace, just inner stillness. I think that's going to be my next battle. And it seems I relate to you in that way because it seems like you were just, yeah, this is just, just me. This is just me. Yeah. And I've always envied that in other people because yeah. I, I see that. I'm like, that is not, that's not who I am. I can't get there. And it's just that you recognize those things in other people, the things that you want, you always see in someone else, right? And you're mm. like, oh man, that would be cool to have. Yeah. Or there's a greater appreciation. There's something about jealousy I'd like to share. And jealousy or envy is, a, is actually a state of familiarity. And, um, it can, or like, yeah, a state of familiarity or something that we see in other people that we're like, wow, I kind of, I really appreciate that. It's, it's actually a state that's already existing within you, but something's getting in the way of actually truly enjoying that because there's a, also a fear of receiving what we really want. That's usually what it comes down to is like a deep rooted fear. And fear is, um, the, the scariest thing about fear is fear, our ideas around it or the beliefs we have around it, the stories attached to what we think or what, like what inspires fear in our, in our being. Um, but yeah, your piece is already there, Nick. It's already there. Um, and there's a lot of distractions around us or, or, um, and I experience this too. I'm actually very energized and very active and I drink coffee. And if I sit for too long and all these things, 
But um, talking about these like breathing and breath work ser- uh, sessions that I've been receiving, which I'll I'll be um, a- approved or like by my teacher, I'll be ready to start holding these these sessions with others after maybe 30 sessions I feel more comfortable with he's saying by 10 but I mean for me I want to be doing like some cold ice plunges and that will be like mark 30 so um sitting with like all of those aversions in ourselves, all the escapism from our inner peace and man distractions are inevitable but there's a practice in witnessing that happening rather than getting caught by it and that's usually what really like will continue this pattern of running away from our inner peace. And that's inherent. It's we're born with it. We're born from peace, born as love. We're literally existing love beings and in, in a body. Or like we're spiritual beings having a human experience. Like there's nothing definable really that can express what we are. Um, and your peace is like, it's already inherently there. So um listening to like those activities or what you're wanting to achieve, what you're wanting to do or better yourself are all beautiful expressions of something that is, is of, um, you know, self-discipline and self-discipline is also the greatest act of love that we can, um, you know, cultivate for ourselves. Do you feel like a pretty self-disciplined person? No, no not at I'm all. passionate. There's great intention there, but I mean, I don't wake up at 6am and meditate for an hour yet. I mean, one day, <laughs> I've I've got so many busy things on my plate, but I overwhelm myself. There's there's a compulsion there of its own that's deeply embedded in my family that I see on my dad's side specifically. All coffee drinkers and like active people and like ADHD runs in my family, very similar traumas, like sparking up that um, like genetic coding of response. It's deeply ingrained. So that's kind of the shit I've been working on. Like, but it's possible. It's just takes really letting go and kind of dying as that version of ourselves and being reborn is something that um, we already are just remembering that inherent peace. I just got to die first and then I'm going to get there. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be my first step. Yeah. I'll die and then I will be so <laughs> at peace. It'll be crazy. And sometimes with that stubbornness, we get so used to that ingrained conditioning that psychedelics do come in handy for things like that, especially like for, um, older or just just more um just more conditioned i wouldn't say age has anything to do with us actually if anything our youth has everything to teach for us but that conditioning runs really deep really quick and at very early ages so not trying to instate that belief of old dog new tricks but i want to say that it's always possible and fresh and a clean slate for everybody regardless because there's no excuses anymore it's always inherently now because every breath is a gift to just be. And then there's like nowhere to go. There's just being with yourself and everything else can be really beautiful on top of that. And just pure acceptance. Yeah. That's hard for a lot of people to do. Oh God. Just be with themselves. Mm-hmm. How many people need that? Myself included sometimes. That stimulation of something external that mm-hmm. you don't have to sit with yourself and with your thoughts. Yeah. That's, that's where we are in life today. I mean, your phone, you have your phone 24 seven and how many people are just glued to that thing? Because if they put it down for five seconds, they're going to hate life or just feel these emotions they don't want to feel. Yeah. Feeling deeply feeling is scary for a lot of people. Um, We're in a culture of numbness 
and numbing what's actually true, but that's gotten us into a lot of trouble with true discernment and being integral with our being. Um, I remember like, dude, how weird it was. I remember being in the bus at high school um, and this taller dude that was like, he should have already been graduated, but he was held back. And he's like growing mustache hair. And I'm a freshman and like, it's super intimidating. But he was harassing this woman in front of me or like kind of like teasing her, but really too strongly. And I remember like sticking up and standing up for her and telling him to like be in his place. And I was incredibly freaking shy, but something about this just did not feel right. And like being integral in that moment at like a fort, I was like 14, a freshman in high school. And I'm like on this bus and this like freaking seniors like harassing, what, who am I to say otherwise or whatever, but I did and he never forgot that. And he came back to me like, uh, maybe when I was a junior and he's like, do you remember when you did this? And I was like, no. Well, it changed my perspective on life. And I was like, wow, that's so beautiful. And I felt just so like honored because it was the most un incredibly uncomfortable thing to feel into my gut of what was actually right. And it was instantaneous. So it's who we are before we think that really matters. And when there's numbness and these habits and stimulation and so much is sold to us to abandon our true nature, then the world gets messy. Relationships get messy. And it's really important to come back to that, that source. And that's where change really happens. And uh, yeah, it's really important to, to look into. So I gotta ask, <laughs> what are your plans with this podcast? Because I think you should start one. I think you can do it. Thanks. What do you What do you want to do with it? Mm, I want to create a platform for people to speak on uh, their inherent nature. I want to speak on topics of struggle and just share truth. The speaking of one's truth is really hard, and it was really hard for me for a long time because I was one of those children that was told to shut up and listen to your parents and like listen to those you're supposed to be obedient to and taught at a very young age to condition myself to not share what's actually true for me, let alone listen to that or even feel that. So I feel it's really important, especially for a, a woman as well, to share what's um, true and what needs to be improved and implement and just get together and share. It's really powerful because coming together, magnetism occurs. And those intentions are astronomically, like, affect the entire collective. Has the Crystalline Collective, did they start their podcast? I know Amelia was talking about <gasps> doing something similar. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, she's curious to do that, too. Yes, she's yeah. wanting to start a podcast. I'm super excited for that. Um, Amelia's another wonderful mother who has absolutely inspired me and she's she's phenomenal i can't i can't wait until she starts one do you so is this something you're hoping to do is this something you're pretty set on doing i on having a podcast on doing the podcast because uh, people will say i, I want to do a podcast and then three years go by and it's like oh, i never started the podcast at least at this point i feel like it's definitely not going to take off it's just a seed and i think youtube is going to really help with that I, um, I'm currently in the works of starting a service business where, um, it's called the, um, innate now is the little baby that I've been working on. And a podcast is just like gonna just be there to help support and, uh, get that 
that offering out there to those who are listening and inquiring or feeling alone on this journey of inner work because it's very separating and can be, but it's really on this um, journey of union and emergence to like um, remembering this whole wholeness in our being and like we're all in this journey together or as what Ram Das would say, we're all walking each other home. Yeah. Um, so yeah, podcast, definitely. I've started one with my teacher, Saki, um, and it's on YouTube and it's definitely very cringe because it's my first one. <laughs> so I'm just following the cringe, letting that be my growing pains. And You just got to work through, I mean, I'm still trying to work through the cringe, so I, I can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to plug what's the name of that one that you're doing with your teacher? Uh, yeah. The one that I did with my teacher it's definitely over an hour or so, maybe an hour and a half long YouTube video with really shitty qu sound quality. But if you want to hear into some of the lessons that I've been learning and hear it directly from source that I've been studying with for the past four years, he is the man. He's an 83-year-old Capricorn sage is what I would say. It's a very silly sage. And it's on my Clarity channel on YouTube. And it's spelled Clarity with T-E-A because we're drinking some puer tea. And the, you said clarity now. That's kind of your brainchild. Innate, innate now. Innate now. What is that going to be? It's going to be the container for facilitation and one-on-one -on -one services to work with people and work through traumatic experiences, uh, work through conditioning. Um, also, I'm, I'm working on a program of reparenting thyself. And so it's about coming home to yourself in a way where um, taking responsibility and being victorious rather than being in victimhood mentality. And so that can be just loving awareness and compassion with ease. That's my intention to help guide and facilitate from that intention. The trauma thing seems to be a huge yeah. moving factor for you. We all you really have want to it. help people with that. Yeah. We all have trauma. All of us have experiences or have witnessed something that has greatly impacted our lives um and that's that was a catalyst for me and seeing how I wouldn't be where I'm at today unless I had my teachers or people to reflect with or my own like um kind of enlightenment on fear and working through what I would say like uh the violence of life and this belief of violence that life is violent because like coming out of the womb and we're born like you know we used to come out of the womb with forceps and then we're shot up with all these drugs and vaccines and we're cut from our mothers or men are still cut to this day the moment that they're coming out of the womb I mean it's a shock um so birth trauma alone is a huge one that affects us even to this day subconsciously but our actions show it um and yeah, trauma is definitely a catalyst. It's it's an invitation to further deepen um, intimacy with oneself, or creating a deeper relationship to this body and who we who we really are. Like we're walking around out here every moment of our lives in this body. Like we might as well create a relationship to it. And the body really knows more than our mind does. Um, yeah. Do you think that violence is innately human? That it's part of us? Or do you think that's one of those structures that we've embraced somewhere along the way? I feel that violence can be completely innocent 
because some people may not actually realize the consequences of, let's say, their actions. And that's usually like stemming from early childhood trauma on its own. And yeah, I'd like to say that violence isn't a very like human-like quality, but here we are being at war with ourselves within communities. Our neighbor angry or pissed at our neighbors or like we're struggling in our own interpersonal relationships and like girlfriends or boyfriends and like there's this violence and drama that comes up because like there's this deep separation from like man what's what's true what's really true and like we're at war with other countries and well fucking politics and shit man like that's so much more important to focus on than our own interpersonal relationships right now because it's all a reflection it just gets magnetized where we put our attention um yeah Attention is everything. What you focus on is where you're going to go. Totally. Yeah. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he was a person who would meditate on parts of his body than to actually like work out. He would just meditate and bring visualizations and attentions to his body. And those muscles would actually respond in a way as though he was actually working out. So this material world and matter is completely malleable. Um, and I want to say malleable rather than manipulation because manipulation always is coming from a place of wanting to change something other than what it is. And malleable is like, wow, you're really a sculptor in this life and an artist and you create the life you see or like perceive or everything's usually created from that state. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty insane just saying that alone. Wow. Um, so yeah, where your attention goes, the energy literally flows. That's a that's not my saying. I forgot who stated that. <laughs> well, you I can trademark that. that. <laughs> <Please. We're>, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Clarice, this was awesome. Unfortunately, I have to get out of here. But yes, I I please. really enjoyed having you on. We'll have Thank to do this again. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for hosting such a fantastic space and getting people's voices out there and being down to do this. Thanks for doing this, Nick. Yeah. It's amazing. Well. I'm excited to see what you do with your podcast. Thank you. I think it needs to happen. I think you would be good at it. I think you have a lot to say. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah check out the, uh, my website is the um, Innate Now. I'll be hosting a workshop soon on Qigong energy arts that stem from China. They're like super ancient. If you'd love to join, I would love to like hook you up with this. It's really beneficial. Um, and yeah, I'm super grateful to be on here. Thank you. Do you have anything else you want to plug? Any Sometimes people will plug social media and where people oh, can um, find you. Yeah, my Instagram is mystic.mayo. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, Clarice, this was awesome. Thank you, really. Thank you, Nick. <laughs>